when the time comes, he must be trained. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. This is episode 130. And uh, my name's Roger. And my name is Ross. I mean, it's, it's one of my names. Uh, Declan, actually, yeah. Let's go with that. I prefer that. You're a man of many names. I'm a man of many names. Free, to be precise. <laughs> and this is the programme, if you're not already well aware, where Declan and Get I with the program, each write a song in the space of a week. Uh, or we normally do, but this season's a little different. We did a February challenge where we wrote... 14 songs each in the space of 28 days in February. So basically averaging a song every two days. And we're here to kind of bring those songs to you and discuss the challenge of writing in such a short period of time, which was challenging, right, Declan? It was challenging. That's why it's called a challenge. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of reflected in two of the songs that I've brought tonight, uh, kind of like more experiments on like uh, trying to write different songs that I normally do, but using a similar element in both of them. Mm. So we're, I'm hoping I'm teasing nicely for later. Uh, okay, so you, ah, so did you like create themes over the course of the month that you then tried to stick to? Um, is that what I'm hearing? Once or twice, uh, but this is more just a thing of like, I tried to do something different with my two songs this week, but I realised after the fact that oh, they're kind of variations on the same changing up idea thing. Hmm. So that's, it's more like I noticed it afterwards. Which is so often the case, don't you find, like, where you'll write, like, even a series of songs, look back a couple of months after having, you know, been right, you know, face-to-face -face with them, and you go, oh, my God, there's a real thematic uh, continuity here or something. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Like, uh, you just end up, like, uh, thinking, my goodness, I didn't really stray very much in terms of style or genre for about a fortnight there, did I? <laughs> 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 yeah. I also have it with things like um, where I don't even intend something to be recurring. Like, for example, the last project I put out was called Y2K. No, wait. Yeah. It's called Y2K, the project, but the album artwork is like a ghost coming out of, out of a screen. And the last song on the album is called Ouija Board. And it's like, I didn't intend for those two to be, you know, on the same project, but there we are. It's funny how these little things like... Uh end up getting built in and almost sound like they're planned almost <laughs> <laughs> yeah to the uh... until we come along and just say well you know that was just uh just a bit of weave down look there <laughs> <laughs> complete accident i've brought two songs to the podcast this week which i feel like have some thematic continuity to them but are stylistically quite different Ooh. Ah. we should also mention that some of the songs that we're bringing into the podcast 12 of them in fact we're making an album together, um, which is, it's been a long time in the making, um, but uh, the two that I bought along this time, one of them is from the album that we're, that we're making together. And by the way, this is all at demo stage at the moment for anybody listening in here. Yeah, it's uh, not going to be like, you're going to listen to like a finished rock track and then hear just like someone scratch acoustic demo and think, I wonder which one's on the album. Right, right. Um, but it's interesting to think about which one's on the album and which ones didn't make it to the album. I mean, we'll get into all of that in detail, I'm sure. But yeah. it's, I don't know, I, f I feel like writing 14 songs in a month, obviously not all of them were going to be good. Obviously not all of them would make the cut of an album. But there's also the other thing of like, maybe they'll be on other projects. Maybe like, they That's weren't... That's the thing. Yeah. Because I I both of mine this time aren't going to be on the album, but I think I am going to use one of them. I just might have to change it slightly for reasons that will become obvious once we hear it. Right, right. Um, one one thing on that point of things making it not to one main project, but to maybe to a side project. I actually, I'm a really big advocate of having side projects because of the fact that it just makes you more prolific, more productive, and it allows you to kind of like not be a perfectionist as well like say you're working on like your one big album you're putting all your heart and soul into obviously the best songs are going to end up on that but if you've got one that's a little more strange or weird or you don't like the lyrics kind of quite as much it doesn't mean that that is then useless it just means that you're you're still honing your songwriting ability but you know you'll use it elsewhere or if it's things that fit a different vibe. This kind of reminds me, uh, someone was talking about Paul McCartney watching uh, Get Back, like the cut down version of it. 
and they had the clip in there of John and George saying like, well, George, you're trying out your new solo stuff. And he's like, yeah. And I feel if we do that, that will help take the pressure off the band because I can just get these songs out and it, there's less tensions and things. But Paul wasn't in the room at the time. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. And they asked him, like, do you wish you'd had heard that at the time? And he goes, yes, because I would have pushed for that so hard just to try and, like, relieve the pressure of what was there. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's only, like, only in the last year that he's seen that clip. That's crazy. I mean, I think yeah. that's, a, that's a huge thing. I mean, uh, I was in a band uh, in my early 20s, and it was a fun band to be in, but I didn't do any writing in the band. And I was just kind of there as the backup singer and lead guitarist. But the singer in that band and I each had, like, a more kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, experimental, progressive rock uh, streak to us, let's say. And we did that on the side. Like, it was just as important to us, but we did it outside of the, you know, the context of the band. And we that ended up being Pea Green Boat, which is like the pro- projects I did with Joe O'Neill. And uh, mm. it is that thing of like a healthy valve release of like, okay, we, we enjoy both projects, but because we get to do both, we can actually bring more energy to each one. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh like helpful just in case of like if you've got say for example you're involved in this sort of very bluesy rocky project and you end up like coming up with like this dance sounding track you end up coming with like this really punkish track or something like that like instead of trying to force that into that particular project where it doesn't fit it it just has its own breathing space that's the thing as well as allowing like the creators to breathe it allows each of the songs to breathe in the way that they need to that's the thing, yeah. It's like it's less about the ego of like I have my ideas, and like more about the thing of like yeah, the songs. The songs are the important thing. They have to be able to be produced in the right way. And I like what you said about them not being forced into the right, like forced into the wrong project. That's that's a good point. I am going first to bring a song to the podcast. Um, this is one I wrote in about mid February, and it's called "You Had Your Chance." And, uh, well, we'll listen to it, then I'll kind of go into the, uh, the writing of it and my th- thoughts on it now. Uh, but, yeah, it goes like this. One, two, one, two... Cheer me up and tells me where she's been I find it hard to fake a smile I have a photograph where she looks right at me She hasn't done that for a while I ask her what went wrong and what was left unsaid you kept your heart on ice and thoughts up in your head But tell me now I'm gone Can't you see I'm moving on You had your chance And now it's only a memory You had your bed It was only a matter of time You were waiting. 
So that was uh, You Had Your Chance, and I I really like this song. I really like all of your songs, but this one's got such a nice groove to it and a bit of... I was saying while we were listening to it, it sounds almost like a halfway house between Elvis Costello and Tom Petty. To which I said that was a really lovely thing to say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely got that sort of pop sensibility. I mean, for anyone who's listened to the show before, you know that Declan and I are both very influenced by... 70s rock generally speaking um and i particularly like that end of like uh what they call fm rock you know um stuff that's just very melodic very sort of like three minutes 30 straight to the point you know Hmm. yeah you can sort of feel the vibe of that in that in this one as well but then it's got all these strong little bits like uh the transition into the chorus on the title like you had your chance doom doom yeah yeah i mean that was one of those lovely things um in songwriting where doesn't happen often, unfortunately, but you get a lyric in your head, a kind of theme, and which was you had your chance, which is just very open-ended. But I was thinking about like all the people who I could have spent more time with, um, mm. saying to me like you had your chance to hang out with me, to spend time with me, and all this kind of thing. Um, but at the same time as having that, I kind of had that idea in the shower, I think, and I, which quite often happens, having a shower, you're shampooing, and then you get a little song lyric in your head. Um, but anyway, um, later on, I picked up the guitar and I kind of knew it should be quite simple, paired back. Um, and I thought, have you had your chance? The word chance should be on the one of the chorus. And it just was this vague thing of like, you had your chance, something, 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 something. You had your chance, like, you know, like that. But putting that there, like, it invites, like, the response, doesn't it? Mm, exactly. And the other great thing with this is... It also invites the verses to talk about what you had your chance for. Yeah, because like, if that's the turning point, then everything's got to build to that. Definitely, definitely. And so with the... um. Oh, by the way, uh, for any listeners who are thinking Roger sounds really strange, I have a cold, so forgive any sniffling or congestion. This is actually a lie. He's been replaced by his twin brother, uh, Geroch. <laughs> um, the, the great thing with this one was that it all came so naturally, but then, like I said, with the verses, it was thinking about who is talking to me. So it's a song where it's not necessarily me talking to um, somebody else, which is kind of the the common thing, isn't it? You know, like, I love you, you know. It would be the stereotypical thing of like, uh, we were having a good relationship, but you had your chance and you messed it up. Or like said to someone else, it's just kind of like, that's kind of been done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that invites some unfortunate implications if you don't write that really well. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's um, there's a lot of humility, vulnerability, etc., to be had with with turning that on its head, um, which I think I've done with a few of these songs this time. Kind of like pointing out my own foibles, my own, you know, imperfections, and so on. Um, so the first verse is talking about an ex girlfriend of mine and. 
she's talking to me saying like, no, wait, no, I'm talking about her, but it kind of flips at a certain point. So I'm going like, you know, she comes to cheer me up, tells me where she's been. I try find it hard to fake a smile. So she's moved on. She's doing her own thing now. We're not together anymore is kind of the, the verse. And then it kind of flips to her talking to me and she's saying like, uh, you know, why are you telling me all this now? I'm gone. Uh, we, you know, you had your chance um, and all that sort of thing. And the second verse is talking about um, friendship and having a friend that you just kind of let the communication slip, you know, and you just you just didn't message as much as you should have done. And yes, it's a two way street like both parties have the ability to message and talk and hang out and all the rest of it. But it's but it just, always feels like it's your fault, doesn't it? Every time. Particularly if your, your self-esteem isn't sky high already. <laughs> it's the danger. I make loads of friends with people who are terrible at messaging back, so <laughs> that feeling is very familiar <laughs> because I'm bad at messaging back as well. So, like, about five months later, like, hi, sorry I forgot to reply to your email. Uh... <laughs> but the great thing is with those type of friendships, like, usually both parties understand. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, you go months and, on end where, like, there's no ill feeling and then you see each other again or whatever and it's like no time has passed. But <laughs> if no one messages, then no messages get sent. <laughs> Which is unfortunate. Um, oh, dear. Yeah. But with this song, yeah, um, that idea of, you know, regret and that sort of thing, it kind of plays into it. Um, and I kind of... I don't... We've spoken about this before on the podcast, and you and I have spoken about it before, too. Sometimes people ask me, like, why do you always mention God in your lyrics? Are you a Christian or something like that? But I just think it's really good imagery to play with. So that, that lyric at the end, you know, I was waiting all this time and asking God to let my life begin. And all the time, all this, all this time, your life is happening. Uh, but maybe you're not taking... If you're a Christian and you have suffered your imagery of your religion being appropriated for commercial purposes, <laughs> please do not get in touch. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, I kind of, like, lean into that more on the uh, middle eight or bridge, well, I suppose middle eight, really. So I kind of um, find myself at the pearly gates and I'm talking to St. Peter I'm basically saying to him, like, can I just go back and try all that again? I kind of know what I did wrong now. And he looks at me and he, he says, you know, no, you had your chance. And then it's St. Peter saying you had your chance, um, which kind of takes it up until the solo end of the song. So that's kind of it. Can I just say at the end of the song as well, I love that low synthy sort of noise <laughs> that comes in. What is that? Is that like a, an actual synth or is that like a bass or...? <laughs> it's, a, yeah, it's a synth bass. It's... Uh... Uh, I have a, a pretty cheap uh, synthesizer called a Micro Korg, and it's just one of the bass settings on that. But I was saying to you when we were listening to it, it's, it's very influenced by listening to uh, the album Main Course by the Bee Gees, one of their great 70s albums. Um, gotta love some synth bass. <laughs> yeah, I'm not as familiar with the Bee Gees as I'd like to be, but synth bass is kind of cool when you can sort of hear it used. Although uh, one thing I never realised it was used on was a load of Stevie Wonder's records. Oh, really? You listen to... Yeah, you listen to stuff like Superstition, you can sort of almost hear like someone, uh, you know, sliding up and down the strings on the bass uh, as if to get to notes, but it is just done on a keyboard. Oh, wow. I yeah. Can, I can kind of like picture Stevie being a synth bass fan. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he's good at the keyboards and the piano, as well as being <laughs> a great vocalist and a good musician. Yeah, and drummer and singer and songwriter and harmonica player and everything. What's your first song for the week? Uh, my first song for this week uh, is the fourth song I wrote, which is called I Don't Know When, which goes something like this. I don't know when I don't know how But I will But I will 
was I Don't Know When, uh, Declan's fourth song of the February Challenge, and I really like it. I, I, I think it's got so much going for it. The fact that the guitar part sort of mimics the vocal melody is one of my favourite parts, um, plus the lyrics as well. Um, yeah, really cool. Thank you. This had a very specific genesis. This was kind of written in an hour on a lunchtime, and then a little bit afterwards as well, uh, after my shift at work. Uh, before playing it at an open mic that evening, so I was just trying to like see if I could do it. Right, uh, that's the short, uh, short schedule. It is, uh, and it's also kind of a thing of because I was doing that, it ended up being like, well, I've got to try out repetition then, because obviously I need to be able to uh, remember it. Mm. I can't write loads of sections can't write loads of words so yeah it's it's built of very few components rearranged in various different ways uh like the lyric sheet because i didn't write out when lyrics repeat in this the lyric sheet is embarrassingly short uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like hold on one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven there's 12 lines to this song overall and some of them are quite short <laughs> But I mean, like you say, that you need that repetition if you're going to, well, write a song and then perform it a couple of hours later. Yeah, I managed to as well. Uh, I only forgot one of the words. <laughs> um, That's pretty good going. But it's also, as as we say a lot, like on this podcast, we tend to write songs and try and make them as complex as we can, or like we try and make them interesting. Or we try and do loads of little uh, interesting flourishes that just makes them difficult to remember but more interesting to talk about. And a lot of pop songs aren't written like that. A lot of pop songs use repetition really well to sort of, like, give you a bit of a hook. I was also sort of trying to see if I could get a bit of a sing-along uh, with this one as well. Another reason why it was so repetitious in that first line repeats so many times throughout it. Uh, sadly, didn't manage that one, but we'll we'll work on it in time. Uh, I've noticed you do, only... you do that quite a lot, where you try to get, like, a sing-along going, particularly with originals, which I... I need to try that too. That's a good one. Uh, I mean, I try it on one or two originals where I can build in spaces. Uh, like there's one where I do where it's like the bridge has one sentence, so I just get everyone to sing that over and over after doing like a bit of a monologue on a held chord. But uh, when I uh, came to actually performing it on stage, I realised then and there that I'd been a bit optimistic with my vocal range. Um, ah, okay, okay. Yeah, you may have noticed the singing in that demo wasn't exactly uh, great. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, well, in your defence, you did tell me that you recorded it between getting home and recording this podcast today. So y- Yes, but there's also a little bit more to it than that. Oh, OK. Um, like my vocal range, normally my top note is like E, F, uh, open E, first F on like the top string of a guitar. 
that's about where I can normally top out. I mm. can push to an F sharp on a good day, and every once in a blue moon, uh, I can go up to a G. Uh, okay. When I was writing it, it was once in a blue moon. <laughs> when I was performing it, several pints of alcohol later, it suddenly wasn't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's the downside to Dutch courage. Yeah. Um, well, it's probably why I forgot the words as well. Um, but yeah, it's it pushes beyond where I'm comfortable singing. So what I should do is lower it. However, hmm. uh, it's... Uh, reliant on fretting notes at uh, one. Oh, right. Uh, it's built around B flat, and uh, with the riff, it needs kind of the those notes there. For for non guitarists, this complicates things. <laughs> this does complicate things. So the only way to lower it would be to retune my guitar, and quite frankly, no. Um, <laughs> uh, see, I, d- not- I end up doing that all the time. I write a song in like E major, which is like, all open chords and stuff, and I have to down tune the whole stupid guitar. The trouble is, I uh, would then have to either play everything cap one, which I don't like doing, and it would just make everything else a little bit out of tune. Right. Like capos always do. Yeah. Um, and it's a pain in the ass to retune an entire guitar just for one song. So this, unless I start bringing a second guitar along to things, this has kind of doomed itself a little bit to be a recording only thing. Hmm. Like it's, I, I don't know if you've ever had this thing where you learn a song and you learn it in a particular key and it's fine. And then you try and shift it slightly like a semitone up or a semitone down. And your voice really, really wants to play it the way it normally does. And, like, you end up going sharp and flat all the time. Uh, Yeah, I have had that. It's not all the time, but on certain ones. And, like, because, as you said, I had to get this recorded between coming home from work and starting the recording today, it was just like, I am not tempting fate. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm going to do it, because it's just a demo, I'm going to do it slightly poorly as opposed to possibly majorly poorly. (laughs) Right, right. I I think with demos, that's a really good point is just like just get it recorded it doesn't matter if like it needs things ironing out because it will because it's a demo so like yeah can't be too pressured Mm. with demos can you no um but the thing is as well with this being quite a repetitious song it's going to live and die on the dynamics sure which is good for performing it live because you can if you're performing it on an acoustic guitar you can control that really really well and with a band that would open up so many more possibilities with an acoustic and a bass, it's a bit difficult to try and <laughs> get that across. <laughs> I, I still think, like, but, uh, in the demo, you got the dynamics down pretty good because, like, it really drops down in, like, the, you know, th- third quarter of the song. Yeah, but with a full recording, you could do more things with texture, have different guitars coming in, have key parts coming in, have things dropping out. Mm. Uh, but y- you know what I mean? Like, this would make a good recording song. Yeah, and will it be that? Because it's not going on our album. <laughs> I don't mean that in like a kind of not going on our album. Not well, under, not having it all me. Not under my roof. You go and put. You go and put that stuff on your own crap. <laughs> no, I mean, we we've chosen our album tracks, is what I mean. So, um, what what's the sort of uh, destiny of this song? I think this might be going on a EP project once I have a little bit of time to record. Uh, hopefully, the same project as another foot of rope. Oh, brilliant. That's another great and song. And maybe a couple of other things. We'll see. I don't know. That's exciting. It is exciting. I just need some time and I need to finish off the 15,000 other things that I've promised to do for people first. Uh, Sorry. If you are one that's, of those people... That's me. I was gonna say, <laughs> if you are one of those people listening uh, who are, I have promised to do something for and have not done it, just bug me with messages and it will get done. <laughs> Okay, I need to know that because I've said to you, will you play, you know, add overdubs to uh, my hip-hop project? I thought you'd say no. I've got notes. I've got notes for that. Ooh. I know exactly what I'm going to do on some of those things. Oh, sweet. Some of them some of them are just literally just the addition of, like, uh, one note. <laughs> but Ooh. I hope it'll be... I hope it'll be a good one. But that that's about all I can think to say for this one, other than this was song four of the writing challenge, and I wrote this on the ninth. 
So I'm beginning to get back under control, but it's not perfect. I really should have been on song five at this time. Your productivity kind of like kicked in around like the two thirds mark from what I remember. Uh, yeah, like I said last week, it was co-writing that song with Fletch that just sort of, for some reason, ignited the creative juices in me again after a gap of about five or six days. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, because like, just to kind of like behind the curtains this a little bit, during February, we kind of like non-verbally agreed to like, when we finished a song and demoed it, we would just send it over to each other. And like for the mm. first like week or so, you'd be like every now and then like a song would come in on the on our little message thing, and then like during the second half of the month it was like here's another one and another one and another one. <laughs> it's like okay, wow, he's really kicked into gear. Yeah, but then there was like, did you get worried in that week where I didn't send anything? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I yeah, but I know you really well, and I know that you kind of you work really well with deadlines, so like. You'll you will do the things you need to do, but you'll do them like just. I'll just, just do them before. five minutes before they're due. <laughs> You're that kid in, in like in class who's like doing his homework, writing it as he's walking up to the desk to give it in. <laughs> I mean, but it's always good. I mean, I have literally done homework in class the day it was due before. Um, so you are you are shockingly accurate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can't talk. I'm basically the same. Ah, oh, hooray, a kindred soul. That was um I don't know when. Really cool. Oh, and I should just I, I should just point out that the lyrics are not about anyone, sadly. I wish they were. Um but it's just kind of that ever present hope of just like it's gonna get better someday. I'm gonna find someone. It'll work. And I just know it will be the right person. I've just gotta wait. And I just gotta keep my eyes open. Um that's that's the one of the wonderful things about songwriting is it doesn't have to be about the hard facts of a situation currently it can be optimism and hope for the future maybe it even informs the future a little bit that hope mm. Mm. Um, anyway on a less positive note this song is called my whole life is passing me by <laughs> 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 and it goes like this song 12 working title my whole life is passing me by Passing me by 
So that was uh, Roger's song, My Whole Life is Passing Me By. Uh, uh, I didn't know you got Elton John to do the piano on that one. <laughs> I really like this. That's a very cruel joke to make at the beginning. Um, He's a good no, piano I really player. do like this one a lot. He is a brilliant piano player. I don't know why I said it was a cruel joke. Um, I like Elton John. That undersung hero of music, Elton John. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, someone should make a film about him. (laughs) He deserves more than he's got. Um, Elton, if you're listening, I'm sorry. We do love you. (laughs) I hope he does listen. Elton. I hope a lot lot of people are listening. Then they could give me a job writing their songs. Oh, yeah. I think Elton's already got a songwriter, though. Himself and and of course Damn. Bernie Torpen. Here's a fact. Torping of songwriting. Oh, <laughs> sorry. that's the worst song I've ever heard. I'm so sorry. I hate myself. Hey, listeners, did you know? <laughs> I bet everyone knows this, but Elton John wrote the melodies and like music for the songs, and Bernie Torpen wrote the lyrics. I feel like that's something that like not everyone knows. We should share like the the most commonplace music facts ever did you know that john lennon used to be in a band called the beatles wow um did you know that stevie wonder's blind (laughs) um (laughs) did you know that beethoven is dead what why didn't you tell me about this market crash (laughs) (laughs) to be fair sir it happened about 30 years before I was born. <laughs> um, yeah, with My Whole Life is Passing Me By, um, it was a kind of an attempt, as with some of these songs, to try and write something a little bit different than how I'd normally write, just to kind of like, I don't know, write 14 songs in the space of 28 days. And the kind of approach with this one was to write a piano ballad, but write a piano ballad that wasn't just like, hmm, how do I put this, like sort of fourth or eighth notes just playing straight ahead with maybe a nice melody on top but rather have the piano do something a little bit more interesting a little bit more um musical for lack of a better word mm. that's kind of what this is so it has the kind of like opening part there so like i was gonna say there are like a lot of really nicely constructed passages between sections in this song like it's really clear that this was kind of like built out of like trying to do something cool with the piano I th- actually, I think I think this was when I bought a piano, um, like not a proper piano, like a you know, elect- a- electric jobby thingy, because I've got I've got the synthesizers and stuff. But like for ages, I wanted to get a piano, and I saw one on Facebook Marketplace, you know, just like an electric, cheapy kind of one. But you know, I thought it had weighted keys, and it didn't. I was really disappointed. But anyway, that's that's a different podcast. That's the I wish my piano had weighted keys podcast, <laughs> which you can hear on Thursdays. <laughs> Um, and, uh, anyway, so I kind of started to just sit at the piano and play for pleasure again, you know? Um, quite often you can Mm. kind of turn to the piano as just like when you have to, but I think when you, when you kind of go to an instrument, maybe without even the intention of writing a song or something or tracking an overdub and just to play naturally, that sense of fun kind of produces good ideas. I don't know. Well, you're much more relaxed as a thing, isn't it? Like you're doing it just to enjoy... Because obviously, you, if you're playing it for fun, you're going to end up playing a load of your favourite songs or like uh, playing along to your favourite uh, like musicians and things like that. But you just end up in a much better space, like uh, rather than like if you're trying to like force something out, which we need to do because we write a lot of songs and we write them to deadlines. But like, yeah, I- like it is just. It's it's that nice thing where you're just so annoying away, and even if it's something you've done a million times before, there'll be one little lick, and you just go, "Wait a minute." <laughs> hold every phone that you've got <laughs> and have it set to record because this is really cool yeah no totally i i think that thing of like just literally playing in the most you know childlike sense of the word it gets rid of anything to do with perfection because you're not recording yourself you're just playing around and so through that imperfection you reach ideas you wouldn't normally reach much easier whereas if you're trying to like i don't know impress your friend or something like you're gonna try and play your best stuff so you won't really deviate from what you normally play the other thing is just the the point you made about being relaxed and creativity i've been thinking about this a lot recently um not least because i've started drawing more recently and um i noticed that when i open my sketchbook in the evening particularly after a busy day 
I'll start to sketch and I'll it'll be like really clunky and I can feel myself like be quite tense and like the drawings aren't very good. But if I just kind of do a page of drawing whatever the hell, you know, no objective in mind, you start to notice your breathing changes, your body softens and, and then the good drawings start to flow out. And I think it's kind of the same with songwriting. Whereas if you have that sort of notion of I've got to write the best song I've ever written nine times out of ten, that probably won't happen. Yeah, you just end up writing a load of overcomplicated bests that like no one will ever remember or sing along to. But this is kind of like why getting the vibe right in like professional recording spaces is incredibly important. Uh, and this sounds a weird thing to say, but like, you know, it's if you're paying for like recording time or you're paying for a rehearsal space, you're paying for something like that then there's it's you've kind of got red light fever going on in the back of your head the sensation that you must be correct and you must be doing it right because you're paying for this and it's costing money hmm. and you really need to be able to relax in those situations which is why it's just so important to just have the right atmosphere with whoever you're creating with because if everyone's a bit awkward and a bit like uh, and everyone shuts off a little bit they're not doing their best work whereas if you have like a bit of an icebreaker moment or like you know you say okay i know we got the pseudo going but let's just go and have a quick meal before we go and record just so that we can have a bit of a chat and a bit of a relaxing thing beforehand that gets everyone into a nice space where everyone's just uh like a little bit more open and then stuff can start to flow out 100 percent. i think that's a really good point i mean you know, as as a musician or an artist or the person who's recording or whatever it is, it's you and solely you alone who's responsible for um, the artistic output that comes out in the studio or in a rehearsal session or a writing session or whatever it is. So you need to be relaxed and you need to be, um, you know, however you look at it, you know, um, just in a good headspace, basically. Um, mm. You know, I, I, we've all had that where we've sat down to write um or create something and you have like you've had three hours sleep you've just been drinking coffee for four days and your nutrition's bad and you feel anxious and like that's not really a conducive place to write a good song it might kind of produce some good lyrics could now you I think about stop it. describing my life right now <laughs> <laughs> me too me too honestly more often than i like to admit but yeah relaxation is key i once opened a tea bag and it had a little message on it and it said a relaxed mind is a creative mind i think that's a good point i get all my best advice from tea bags <laughs> that's the title <laughs> um but anyway that's all i could think to say about it. Yeah, that is definitely the title that's all i could think to say about my song i was gonna say this is one that we're putting on the album as well so like i'm really looking forward to seeing what we can do with this yeah, we were kind of touching on, like, how we could produce it when we were listening to it. And I was saying, like, because in the demo, I don't know quite why. I'd, I do know why I did this. I double-tracked the piano and put it left and right just because if, <laughs> when I'm demoing stuff, if I double-track it, it allows me to make a mistake, a little mistake on the left one and have it be covered by the right one. I was saying we could, like, double-track the piano, which is something that you don't hear very often on records. Or you were saying about, like, kind of bringing in a rising reverb i mean that's the thing like working together on these productions is going to be so interesting because we'll bring out ideas on each other which we wouldn't have gotten by ourselves and then everyone's going to hear it and be like what the hell are you doing honestly, <laughs> you, should, you two should never have ideas again <laughs> honestly that's kind of one of my hopes for this album that we're doing together that <laughs> 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 so it like gets that reaction <laughs> like everyone goes what <laughs> yeah. like they're just gonna expect like straight ahead like songwriting with guitars and stuff but like we're gonna make something really strange yeah. good strange you have, to play it, you have to play it backwards on the 29th of the month uh <laughs> if it's a tuesday and if you play it any other time than that it'll sound rubbish but my god backwards on the 29th of a month when it's a tuesday it will be the best album you've ever heard <laughs> So uh, that's my two songs I'm bringing to the table this week. Um, what is your fourth song, Declan? Well, my fourth song has a very similar name uh, to the other one, so much so that I kind of mistook them for another song that has a very similar name and uploaded the wrong one. Um, <laughs> but the first, but the uh, the second song that I'm bringing is called I Know I Belong Here, and it goes something like this. Mm-hmm. 
gotta be harder Remove every stick and stone I've gotta be smarter Gotta forge a path I own I've gotta be different From everybody else I see I've gotta be special With the gifts I have received If everything I knew before Is being swept away In the river I will plant myself This is where I stay right now Gotta stay focused, gotta keep a golden view Gotta listen, and keep an ear on honest truth Gotta shout louder, for love and tolerance and peace Gotta work harder, to build the future that we need If every forward step I take starts to slip away I will crawl my broken body back, this is what I say right now I know I belong here. Uh, that's one of yours, Declan, from the February Challenge. Uh, really like it. This is almost like one of the more like metal or like punky type of anthemy songs that you've written. Um, what what brought that about? I suppose. Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this one is again. It's an exercise in repetition, but it's an exercise in repetition in a different way. Because I noticed a lot of what I end up writing when I write vocal melodies is. I tend to pick out the line that the guitar is doing and do like a slight variation on that. Okay. Which um, it, it's valid. It's a technique, but it's also kind of like I should probably learn to sing something different over the riff other than the riff. Um, well, if I could just put in a little tuppence here. Um, this song, particularly with the way the vocal melody somewhat mirrors the guitar line, it makes me think of that Sabbath thing you were saying about, um, like, years ago, where, like, if the riff is quite power chordy and, like, kind of driven and melodic in itself, one of the only options, really, is for the vocal melody to, to mirror that, and I think you've done that really effectively here. Thank you. But um, it's not a very complex song. It's built around one riff. The da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, which it vocal doubles on the chorus because that's the place to do it because why not? Uh, but then the tr challenge of the verses was to try and like sing different lines over the top of that and try and actually create something that sort of counterpointed it slightly. Oh, you do it really well because you got that whole I've got to be harder, that whole like sort of like faster, almost like sort of mid noughties pop music type of melody is what I got from it. And then which completely contrasts with the chorus. I mean... I've not considered that before, and now I can sort of see it, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> that was a good era of pop music, now we think about it. I mean, I like the guitar bands from that era. Like, uh, I like Christina Aguilera. Trying to Aguilera. think of, like, uh, Kylie had some good uh, hits around that time. Um, um, Scissor Sisters? I think Scissor Sisters. Or, see, I always class them more as rock, but I know why they're, pop, they're a pop band. But, like... There's too many guitars in there for it to be straight pop for me. Mm, mm. I don't know. I don't know why. It's it's weird. Well, you are sort of like the category guy. Category denier. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I think you you definitely nailed that contrast. Um, so like, how did this one start? I guess would be my question. Well, it started. It started with that riff and the not the notion that I had to create different lines for it. Uh, and so I thought, well, if I just keep as much as possible the riff the same throughout the song, and then that forces me to be creative and create different melodic sections for the verse and the chorus and things like that. Mm. Uh, so there, it's it's mostly based around a C sharp minor. Uh, there is a F sharp and a E flat diminished to sort of signal transition into the big choruses, um, into the other sections. But that was about it. And once I had those patterns, it was then just a case of trying to fill the words. Like this one didn't take that long to write, uh, amazingly enough. Mm. Uh, for those who are keeping score, uh, this was the sixth song I wrote, and I wrote it on the fourteenth. So I was again a bit behind on this one. But you definitely made up for it in the last part of the month, like we said before. I I definitely did. There are going to be episodes later where we have songs written on the same day. Um, <laughs> getting to the chorus, like, it was just trying to think. Okay, do 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 do. Like the core thing of that had to fit over that exactly. And just the first thing that fit was "I know I belong here," um, which seemed to fit. It was quite an angry, rocky song, so it's just kind of like yeah. Or like not angry, but like defiant. That's the word. So that was where that that was the hook for that, and then everything else sort of fits in around that. Which annoyingly, the tone of this song is one of the reasons why I'm hesitant to use it, because uh, it's very much about like feeling at home in the communities I found in Bristol, like the musician communities and like uh, the relatively small exposure to the queer community I've had and like uh, just a load of people that I've met since I've been up here. And it's a song that has lines in it like, uh, I've got to shout louder for love and tolerance and peace. I'm here with allies and friends. And it's like all the words are generally positive. Hmm. The trouble is, <laughs> it's an angry sounding song sung by someone who uh, has a relatively deep voice who's got who's got a shaved head <laughs> like th this song can be taken the wrong way let's put it that way if i'm not careful with how i if with how i like present it which is it's kind of one of those weird things it's like I know I could do something fun with this, but I just know that other people would spoil it. <laughs> Somebody with a bald head, a deep voice, and who describes himself, and I quote, as a category denier. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean. I do, like, I do, I hear, yeah, yeah. Which is which is depressing, but like it's also kind of like it gives me a great idea if I ever did this for a project, which I don't think I will. But if I ever did for this for a project, it would have to be just the wokest video ever right <laughs> or like or like the queerest video with like everything all of the letters in that spectrum <laughs> <laughs> no i i definitely hear that i mean it's interesting because like that never would have crossed my mind just listening to the song itself um i can hear the sort of um defiance in the chorus and the sort of uh, lyrics about being in an inclusive community and stuff like that but Oh, I don't think you need to worry. I think it comes yeah. across as very positive, just angry. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's very much like a oi, 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 oi song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perhaps could be about something quite different entirely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I was trying to write more positive songs. Like, this is one of the things that I've now cemented into my head. I think I had this a little bit before the session, uh, this challenge started, but it's something that I'm still trying to keep at the forefront of like if you're gonna write an angry song write a hint at least of a way out or like write that there is some path to redemption rather than just being miserable all the time and if not like just be like i think you've described my songs before as like having uh we few we happy few energy oh yeah and this is one of those Th that's the kind of spirit i want to try and take forward in my songwriting like trying to be more positive than negative where possible. And sometimes that positivity is expressed through defiance and anger and, um, you know, uh, aggro and high energy and ugly sounding chords. But at the end of the day, 
got to try and be more positive than negative. <laughs> I think you raise a really good point about like what kind of songwriter do we want to be, you know, and in a way you've got to be authentic or else your songwriting will suffer. So like if you're feeling angry or angsty or sad or whatever on a particular day, you're doing yourself and your songs a disservice by pretending that you're not. But at the same time, I really hear what you're saying about like wanting your your overall voice as a songwriter to be like, look, even if stuff is tough, there is a way out. There's a resolution. The song may evolve to, to, to reveal that over the course of the song. Um, I can relate to that with sort of what I'm trying to do at the moment, um, which is I think as I get older, I realize that like younger people are listening to my music. I mean, I'm not old, old, but I'm going to be 30 this year. And you old man. <laughs> I say that. So am I a few months after you. So. And I, I kind of realized, like... We're ancient! If, if, there's, if there's something I can communicate lyrically, I guess, I don't want it to be, you know, times are really tough, life's really hard, it's, a, you know, an uphill battle the whole time. I want it to be, like... I want courage to be communicated through through it, you know, and I think that's kind of that's kind of what you're saying as well, really. If I'm understanding you correctly, like positivity through the adversity. Yeah, like not just stopping at everything sucks, like trying to say something more than that. And like you make a good point there of like you have to be authentic to the mood in which the song is created. Uh, and obviously, when you perform it again, it's going to be a bit of acting to try and get back into that headspace. You know, we all we all know that everything's a bit of an artifice when you perform something live after you've written it in the moment. But even being true to yourself, there is still like a different spin that you can look on it. If that makes sense, mm. there are so many ways that you can view everything that happens to you, and sometimes anger and fury and a lot of grit is what you need to express that. Definitely, I like. Sorry, and some and sometimes you can use that in a positive context. Sometimes you can't, but like, if we can try and be true to ourselves and try and get a positive forward vibe i'm turning full hippie now <laughs> i've evolved vibes. into mega hippie <laughs> but, you know, like something saying yes more than no being more creative than destructive like you know yeah yeah definitely not excluding the negative but like focusing on the other half yeah yeah for sure i think there's also something we said about like sort of songwriting as a form of like emotional alchemy like um if you've gone through some you know, hard stuff because of just just the kind of card you've been dealt in life or something like that. There are going to be other people out in there in the world who can relate to that. And because you've been through that hard stuff, you sing about it, but you sing about overcoming it. Your hardship becomes somebody else's, you know, courageous anthem, so to speak. So I don't know. There's Like you said, there's you could kind of interpret these things in song in so many different ways, which is great. And if you would like to write in and tell us why we are both clearly very ill-equipped to talk about <laughs> anything of real worth or substance and why all songs should be angry and making points and you know, uh, overthrowing governments and things like that, then please write in and tell us what idiots we are. <laughs> please do. Um, because I'm... we are almost certainly idiots. <laughs> <clears throat> I was just going to say, what have you been listening to this week? Got any good hitters for us? See, I, sadly, working in a record store, I don't get to listen to that much new music, which sounds like an oxymoron. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, you have like three or four CDs that you hear all week round. Uh, and that's where I do most of my listening, because up until a couple of days ago, I had a lot of audiobooks to get through. So I was just doing those on the buses in and out of work. Um, that's changed now. I've gone back to listening to music on the bus again. Uh, but in work, we've had the new Sigrid album on. And uh, a few tracks I like on that. I don't love the album, but I do quite like it. But then there's a, uh, one track on there called um, Mistake Like You, which I've been listening to a lot. I Which I quite like because it's got a couple of nice weird guitar tones in there and it's got a guitar solo in it and it's got a major two and a minor four in the chorus. It's always nice to hear those <clears throat> those little tricks and maybe... Is it more like poppy music? I'm not actually familiar with Sigrid. 
yeah, broadly speaking, pop. Nice. I'm very bad at describing music. <laughs> it's, uh, as Frank Zappa said, uh, talking about music is like dancing about architecture. So let's get our tap shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for me, uh, strangely enough, I've been going through an Eminem phase uh, this week. Uh, my sister and I used to listen to Eminem a lot. And so we were kind of messaging back and forward and saying like, hey, do you remember this one? Do you remember this one? So the one, what I've been listening to is from the Marshall Mathers LP2. And it's really one of the only good songs on that album, if you ask me. And it's called Love Game. Something's burning, I can't figure out what. Out what? It's either lust or a cloud of dust. Judgment is clouded, must just be the powder from the power of love. But I'm in something I don't know how to get out of. Left my girl in the house alone. My soon to be spouse is And the further I walk, the louder. Pause for a minute to make certain that's what I heard. Cause after all, this is her place, so I give her the benefit of the doubt. I think I might be about to. Monster, monster. The thoughts carry And it's so good. It features Kendra Kamar. And it flips this amazing sample, uh, who I'm not quite sure who it's by. I'm doing the edit this week, so I'll find out who it's by and I'll put it in here. Okay, so it was performed originally by Wayne Fontana and the Mindbenders and produced by Rick Rubin for Eminem. And uh, yeah, so just just that really this week. Um, kind of the same as you in a way. I've been working a lot this week uh, and that just means listening to other people's podcasts and editing them. So the only thing I listen to while I can do that the only thing I can listen to while doing that is, like, classical music. So I've been listening to, like, Vivaldi and stuff like that. Yeah. So I've been listening to The Four Seasons recently, and... Uh... <laughs> the first concept album, if you ask me. But I'm wrong. I mean, surely operas are the first concept uh, compos- uh, compositions. Yeah. Ah, well, I tried. So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you uh, would like to write in to us, if you've got a song that you've written that you'd like to be uh, displayed upon our airwaves, uh, if you've got something that you want to say about something that we've said, uh, and goodness knows uh, you, you need to have something to say about some of the rubbish we've been going on about today, <laughs> uh, why not write into us at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send us a nice electronic letter. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Roger runs one of them and it's really updated quite frequently. And I'm in charge of the other one, and that's all I'm going to say. Um, Roger. Yeah. Your music. Uh-huh. Whereabouts is it? Uh so it's on Spotify and Apple Music and Deezer and Does anyone use anything other than Spotify and Apple Music? Um I use Bandcamp. Oh yeah, Bandcamp. I'm on Bandcamp. Bandcamp's really the way to support artists uh by the way, if you don't already know cuz you actually get more than 0.1p um for, you know, the privilege of having a song but anyway <clears throat> i'm going off on a rant oh it's quite funny i was um with uh guest last week fletcher james i was with him last night and he did a thing on stage about like he bought a packet of jammy dodgers beforehand and sort of said right i'm just getting to bribery now anyone who pre-saves my new single can like have a jammy dodger um and he did the mass and he worked out that um he needed 300 streams per jammy dodger to make up oh my God. the budget pack on the outspends of the Jammy Dodgers initially. Oh my God, that's, that's so hilarious, but that's so like tragic for musicians, isn't it? Um, so yeah, uh, check out check out my music on Bandcamp first and foremost, um, and Spotify and Apple Music and everything like that. Just search Roger Heather's, um, also P Green Boat and Dullards. There's a new Dullards album out. Um, that's it for me. Um, and where can people find you and uh, your music, Declan? Uh, you can find my music again on pretty much the same place as Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, we should. It sounded like I was going to go into a bit of a tune. Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Deezer. All of these things are where you can find my tunes. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that that's about it. Uh, it always feels a bit redundant should... to say like, where can you find your music? Because everyone knows what the platforms are. It's almost like just what do you search for? Yeah, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, my name, Declan Kitchener. Search for that. The album, most recent album, is Apathy Will Get You Nowhere. Well worth a listen. And um, Captive Audience EP um, came before that, and both are, both are really good. Uh, so I thank you very much. Both. <laughs> Very you don't highly. get paid for that one today. I've paid you too much for that already. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. I'm saying the bit that you normally say. 
thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time with four new songs. Ta-ra! Ta-ra. Under the sea, there'll be no accusations, just friendly crustaceans under the sea. Homer, that's your solution to everything, to live under the sea. It's never going to happen. <laughs> Such a great line. <laughs> so that was it for... Ah! C-3PO <laughs> fell over. <laughs> Master Luke. <laughs>